we're rolling. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we're back. And it's taken you a week to hear it, but us only three minutes. <laughs> back in black. Or men, or men in black. That's a good. I love I was that like, movie. No, I'm still white. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love that. It's a good movie, Men in Black. You should watch yeah. it. But the I first have... one. <laughs> yeah. I would. I too would recommend all of the Men in Black. I even think Men in Black International was very fun. Do you, do you know that Men in Black was was actually based on a real phenomena? So or based on like on a real conspiracy theory. So in like the 50s people had this there was like this rumor going around like this is a real story. Not that like aliens exist or maybe they do. But there's this rumor going around that people dressed in black suits we're going around trying poking and prodding trying to figure out if people knew stuff about aliens because the government was worried that you know the secrets had been leaked and so they sent all these these men in black suits to kind of you know like do reconnaissance and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, do recon sorry and that is kind of like the basis of like this myth and they kind of expounded upon that in like the men in black movies so um good movies uh yeah wh- which makes me like talk about Will Smith because there's this one picture I saw about Keanu Reeves and it kind of ties in with Will Smith too, which is they showed like this one picture from like Matrix Keanu Reeves and then like 2020 Keanu Reeves and they look like the exact same person. And someone wrote on it, it's like once you reach a level 100, you just stop leveling. (laughs) (laughs) And so... And I, yeah. feel, I feel like the same way about Will Smith is if you look at him in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and then like a couple of years ago, you would swear it's the same person, but they're like 30 years in between that. And it, like See, nearly. It depends. Does he have makeup on? Is he preparing for a shoot? Because I could say the same thing about Keanu Reeves. I mean, the dude lost his, wasn't it his, somebody, somebody passed away. His and wife. Think, yeah. And, and I feel like, um, it, it results in a in a certain expression of exhaustion like mm. um so nope. i feel like if you looked at him now and and you saw like yeah he's growing out his salt and pepper beard and his long hair but like if he were to shave all that off and then have a nice set of foundation on of course he's gonna look like him when he was in bill and ted no no <laughs> no it's just like if you look at like random uh shots of him like he's walking down like uh well i guess maybe like the red carpet but yeah, still, so but there he's some... gonna be looking his best naturally, and I'd say the same thing with Will Smith. When we saw that photo of him uh, proclaiming that he was overweight by his own definition, he didn't look his best, and in no way just he looked like he's the same. Well, maybe not the whole body, like, him. but from the face, definitely. Yeah. Like, of course, we yeah. all hold. Like, look at me right now. I look angelic. That's but true. honestly, like it's all about the angle, the lighting I give myself. And so I would say that maybe I'd look similar to when I was in high school. Uh, but it, it's mm. all about how you present yourself. There's so many tricks. <laughs> look at like, so there's another common phenomenon, which honestly shouldn't be at all surprising, which is the presidency ages uh, people very fast. And if you look at the picture of Obama, when oh, he went yeah. when he went into office yeah he looked like you know like he had just got out of like college i'm exaggerating a bit like he looks super yeah. young because he was yeah. really young and yeah. then look at him like eight years later and he looks like 
he he like thirty he's years seen have passed. Some things, yeah. Yeah, he's seen something. Yeah, he's seen something. <laughs> and this happens to all the presidents. Like it happened yeah. to like Bush. It happened to 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 uh, to Bill and stuff like that. Um, I don't want their job. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, I have this. So somebody was joking about it. Um, and it was like this little two three second clip out of a whole TikTok, but it was just the idea that what if the government gave up its position and just handed like the u.s back over to native americans americans like indigenous people like wouldn't that be crazy like the i I don't know i don't know i mean maybe (laughs) Uh, but if if you want to like use it as a thought experiment uh, i don't think well on one hand maybe that's that's a morally appealing idea on the other hand it's completely impractical because there's no way that they would be able to manage that i mean if it was like 300 years ago sure okay like maybe because it was like manageable at that size but now you have this machine that is so complex there there's no way that you could do that plus uh like the native american population and with respect to the american population so like u.s citizens there's such an imbalance. There's no way that they could properly govern that if they chose to do so. Now, if you mean just in the sense that like, okay, now all the, the Americans, they have to leave or something and go back to Europe no, or Africa. No, no, but... <laughs> I, I just meant solely because I, my thing is, is I just find um, that the, the leaders that are often handling their tribes have a level of insight that surpasses what we currently have in politics. <laughs> Mm. so it would just be really interesting like um anything internally happening in america i feel like the way that it's structured people you know like what you brought up was a really fair point in that it it feels like uh everybody's worried about like a collapse in structure but quite honestly is that so bad fight club fight club <laughs> i feel like that's your default <laughs> that 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 but was yeah, the whole that, premise of the movie uh, yeah that was a spoiler alert but yeah oh. it was about the collapse of credit right that was yeah. essentially he was taking down the buildings that that would have housed any um records and files of of credit card debt so it would have automatically eliminated that i mean loans whatever it seemed like he had the whole plan like it was a full blown plot that i didn't even notice until the end (laughs) the problem with those with that way of thinking is let's just burn it all down and build back up is that you're you're assuming by burning it all down that if you build it back up you'll build a better society and we'll all be equal and that's kind of like uh i I have cancer and so i'll get chemo because that's the whole point of you know killing all the cells and then the hope is is that afterwards you can build yourself back up and be a healthier person like with respect to that sure so i mean on the one hand it does work but anyone who knows that is it completely destroys your immune system it means you're susceptible to pretty much anything when not necessarily anything maybe i'm overreaching a bit but you know what i mean and so by burning the whole system down like maybe it's better afterwards but you can't know that like i think it's like a romantic idea I, I feel like it's very radical to assume things need to burn down in order to be taken over I mean, they tried that a couple months ago. I mean, <laughs> who and what? In in the capital, you know, they tried that. They tried oh, you mean? <laughs> Do you know? I saw a video. This um liberal 
uh, and I can't tell you, I'm sorry, I can't give credit, but he was just interviewing people outside of the White House. Like he was there, it was like maybe two or three people who mm-hmm. weren't um, directly supporting Trump or Republican that were there and they were just filming it. And this one guy took it upon himself to record people and ask them questions. And he sees two people, like it was right after they started storming, he's, he's like farther out and mm-hmm. he sees them walking away. Excuse me. And he was like, hey, you're going the wrong way. And, and, and they were like, well, it's crazy. You know, we tried to get into the White House um, and, and do what President Trump asked us to do. But then for some reason, they decided to throw uh, the pepper spray in my face. And the guy asking the questions is like, well, why did you turn back now? Don't you have a good reason to do it? And she's like, well, no, not if they're going to be violent about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> just like, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think you have to be, like, anarchists. I, I, I think yeah, anarchy I, is a very appealing... I, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I sorry. I was going to uh, just agree. I think yeah. anarchy is a very appealing <laughs> idea to people who are fed up with the system. Yeah. That's like I, I don't want to I don't like my life. I don't like my job. So I'm just gonna like th- throw everything away and live in the woods and be in nature. I mean, I I guess that's a nice idea, but you're assuming by doing so that it'll automatically be better. I was watching this one documentary about some well, by, com- sorry, I have to interrupt. By not Ooh. participating in capitalism, you you are actively going against the system in the most wholesome way. Well, I mean that, that presupposes a couple of things. One that presupposes that capitalism is inherently bad. I don't necessarily think that. I think maybe the current form in a lot of countries is definitely bad because it puts money at the very top. Yeah, of, we like, did it the, wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's pretty much like you are what you earn. And that's pretty much how your worth is assessed. So but what we earn is completely dictated by the companies we work for. So we don't inherently have the power to do better by ourselves. <laughs> well, yes. Well, yes and no. So if you're working for like, uh, let's say, I don't know, like Walmart and you're at the very bottom of the chain. Sure. Like they dictate your worth. Um, or if you work at like a company as a programmer, they also dictate your worth. But the whole basis of capitalism in the U.S., in my opinion, and uh, like money in general and economics is like the American dream, you know, like the old time like rags to riches, you know, you start off as like, like as a poor guy working at Walmart and then you have this really great idea and then suddenly like you're a multimillionaire. Like whether or not that's a reality is a different story, mm-hmm. but that's like something that's often sold, especially abroad, you know, like you come to America and, and experience your dreams. Like you remember like the movie, like Five Goes West where they yeah. have like these rats that are, that are actually are these mice yeah i mean that defines early 1900s easily like when like ellis island and immigration and all that stuff and And i I get it i love that i love that american optimism if there's one thing i love about the u.s it's that is that people are dead though Mm, maybe it's maybe it's sleeping but i wouldn't say it's dead because because it's so ingrained the way people think Maybe, maybe you're talking about the dream, but I wouldn't say the optimism because if it were truly dead, then you would just kind of give up and say like, let's just burn it all the ground or let's just like go to Canada, which some people do and say, but (laughs) I do think Americans are for the most part, very optimistic with respect to their own 
like uh, their own goals and dreams. Like think about like the lottery, for example, and how people are so invested, like one day I'll win the lottery or how obsessed they are with winning the lottery and how everyone thinks they have a good chance of winning the lottery, which is why so many people play. Because it, yeah, and it breaks the system, but it, it only happens to what, 14 people a year, 15 people a year out of millions and millions. That, but you could I mean, be one of those. And that's, that's the optimism that a lot of people share, not necessarily you and me. That's to me. It's not optimism. It's just ignorance. Maybe <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a difference. It's, but it's, it's willfully being blind to the fact that, um, it statistically speaking, it's unlikely because it's just a math game at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe part you're luck, right. Part luck, but um, it, it's just selling yourself something that may change your life. Uh, or not, you know, most people who do win the lottery tend to go into further debt because they're over consuming and they're over purchasing and they often wind up worse off than when they started because they don't know how to manage money. Yeah. But hey, <laughs> there was there was this study done. Um, I can't remember what it was. It was basically a social experiment where they would go around and give homeless people a million dollars or like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars. And they would say like it's it's um it's yours to keep you can have it like here's a, like two three hundred thousand dollars like there 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 are almost no strings attached like there are only like a couple of requirements which is uh we get to kind of track uh, like your story like how you spend the money and how it kind of turns out for you but it's not like uh, to track in the sense of like no 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 you can't spend this on this so it's kind of like to see it like what happened yeah so it's like you see your money do whatever you want we just kind of want to like social experiment yeah, yeah. just follow you right yeah and a lot of these people were kind of worse off than when they started <laughs> because they just know how to manage, <sighs> yeah. manage it but that's i'm kind of drifting away a little bit from my point about living in nature sorry which, go ahead which is there was there was this one documentary i watched about there's like yeah i'm so fed up with living in society you know I'm, i've completely just gone off the grid i'm like on my own and I was like, oh, and he had like a really nice life. He had like a small, like, you know, RV in the woods. And he was just, you know, living the natural dream, I'll say. Um, and, and he's like, yeah, but I go to the store once a week. And like, I go to like the grocery store once a week. And I'm like, I don't know if you go to the store, like once a week, like the grocery store, is that really truly living off the grid? Like you can do both. No. Say, well, was, you can do both and say like, you, I've com- sorry, go, go ahead. I was going to say, you can do both and say, I'm for the most part, I'm completely done with society. And I only go because I need like the essentials. But other than Mm -hmm. that, I do everything here. Yeah. Okay. You can say that. But if you go to the grocery store once a week and you live in the woods, you're not off the grid. (laughs) You're not, you're still on the grid. I would say, um, yeah, because that's what I, I, I mean, that really brings to light what I would try to achieve, which is being as sustainable as possible. It's, it's limiting my consumption. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's, it's limiting it. So if he's going once a week and he's only getting essentials, then he's not spending any time buying unnecessary items. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Excuse me. And then like, for me, I would even say that going to garage sales isn't necessarily stimulating the economy in a way that can be seen. So it's like, if I'm still getting cash in some form by selling goods I create, then you know what I mean? Like, it's still, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I haven't thought all 
all the way through. But I mean, I wouldn't, my goal would be not to be relying on the electric company or the gas company or, um, you know, like, yeah, of course, if I get an infected cut, I will definitely be going to a hospital, but I'll have to pay cash. So I'll have to sustain in some fashion by creating some type of business out of what I produce by living on my own land and you know there's no way to um completely separate when you're living in a country that you still technically rely on like I'm still gonna have an ID I'm I'm not gonna like burn my fingertips off and claim death and then like live in the wild and risk it like that's not the type of person I am (laughs) like I I'm a part of a society that's built in um all these fail safes so I might as well use that but it just feels like even relying on a grocery store I mean I would rather try to find locals that I could barter with at the very least and (laughs) Very goat, but yeah. Then yeah, you let get, me get some of that goat. <laughs> you, then you get into like communal living, where like you yeah. they have like these communal compounds, mm-hmm. which, and I don't mean this in like a buzzword kind of way. That's basically communism at its core, which is we create like value and then we spread it amongst people in the community. Yeah, and I don't really have like a problem with that necessarily. But at that point, you're kind of back where you started, which it's just is another system that has yeah. failed in the past. <laughs> you're just back where you started, which is your, at least for me, from outside looking in, I've never lived in one of those. I don't honestly find it very appealing. Um, but you're basically just like earning money to earn a living, which is like, the, uh, like the essentials. So, yeah. um, like, to get on the topic of utopia, so utopia it is actually part of no it is it actually is part of communism because the utopia was a book written in the 1500s and i can't remember the author's name but basically it's utopia is a play on words because topia basically means like a place and the prefix u basically means like nowhere so utopia is basically a place that is nowhere so it's nowhere to be found and in this book utopia which is from like the 1500s the author basically describes a city that is somewhat like atlantis which is it's on like its own island and the people are completely self-sustained so they have everything they need and they have an army and the the thinking is like well why would people who live in a utopia have an army and the thing is is that utopia for modern people is the whole world so if we have utopia that would be the entire world but the thinking in antiquity and in the middle ages that is utopia wasn't the whole world utopia was a place in the world so it was like atlantis it was a place that you could get to where everything is perfect in in this life so it's not like you had to die to go there you could find utopia somewhere on earth and it was like it was hidden but you could find it like el dorado in, in the movie oh okay yeah and so in this book utopia he's describing like the perfect place and there's one aspect in utopia that is kind of like the precursor to communism which is basically uh in utopia you're not allowed to have anything so you don't own your kids you don't own your house you don't own your jobs and every five years you would switch so you would stay in this one house house for five years then you would move on to the next house and they would do the same with the children so the children would stay at this family for five years they would move to the next family and so on and so forth and the idea was is by doing so you would force people not to be too attached to one thing and become greedy 
And Ooh. so they would, so they would constantly break the ties. And there was one aspect of this book I thought was very interesting, which was people had to work in utopia. Like you had to, you had to go to work, but yeah. you only had to work enough to sustain your life. And so they calculated that if everyone in the colony worked for at least three hours a day, we would be fine. And you could work more than three hours a day if you wanted to, but we were only required that you work three hours a day. And that was kind of like the precursor of communism because whatever you generated in the society would go back into it. So you weren't really allowed to have like jewels and gold and stuff like that because all that stuff would go back to, to like finance utopia. So that's, that's uh, my tangent. You should read it. It's a good book. Yeah, it sounds good. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah. I'm, I'm always fascinating by, fascinated by stuff like that. Um, mm. You know, I, <laughs> I really enjoy social experiments. So like you talking about that, that's, it, it's interesting. I, I guess I've never thought about greed in the context of like the human heart and like how we choose to love. Like I, I could, cause by that definition, couldn't they be switching out, like, love interests? Like, they could force you to, because wouldn't that be the same type of mm. connection that you're talking uh, about with children? Yeah, they, yeah, so they basically tried to break up all connections, but not in the sense of, like, you know, authoritarian, but, like, you, so the idea is, is if you have a family, that you would be loyal to only your family and not to the community. And so by making everyone your family, you would be loyal to everyone and not just like these three people. And that was the, that was the whole idea behind it. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Even in, even in his day, when the guy wrote the book, people were like, this is like such a crazy idea. And the whole thing was basically a social critic, a critique of England at the the time. For sure. Yeah. yeah, And the guy was so dissatisfied with England. He was like, England is such a terrible place. Like, why would you ever want to live here? And he tried to, uh, like, do a play on, or sorry, he tried to refer back to Plato because Plato's Republic, that's also a book from antiquity, mm-hmm. does it does the same exact idea, but just a bit smaller. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it's not like, it's a, it's not an original idea from him. So it's right, this idea of, of utopia. We all is, borrow inspiration yeah. from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so the idea of utopia is extremely long and complicated. Yeah, um, I would yeah, agree. Def- definitely. But. There, um... I, I, I doubt you watched it, so I, that's why I love bringing up this. Okay, which one? <laughs> um, it's actually called Utopia. It's a reality TV show from, like, 2014. Um, oh. And basically, they put... So, the problem with social experiments when it comes to TV is that inherently they want to create drama in hopes to provide um, enough um, attention-grabbing moments for viewership right Mm -hmm. so instead of doing this in a way that would make sense right so personally let's say tomorrow um this was like oh what's that one show lost (laughs) it's fine no well i mean you could no lost was based around the fact that they crashed onto that island and then they had to figure out some stuff and then cohabitate to survive um but there was a show that came out um maybe five or six years ago, maybe it was 2014 as well. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised, but the very first episode was when um, there was basically a big enough, Ooh, what's it called? It's like um, an EPG, EM, an EM something where they, it short circuits electrical oh, systems. Know you know what, what I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure everybody's just like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm trying my best, guys. <laughs> um, but essentially, in the first five minutes, you see airplanes falling out of the sky. You sh- see all electrical systems fail, and they immediately become a dystopian future. Um, but in the same type of um, situation where you have a mass of people, you start compacting into smaller civilizations that are run by like-minded people where Mm -hmm. their ideals are often perceived in the smaller communities so in this utopia reality series what they ended up doing was picking maybe 10 people who all had a different perspective on what utopia meant Mm -hmm. and the whole setup for the show was to create essentially your own country like you have to figure out how to sustain how how to create currency, how to make money, and then and then how to survive in general. And everybody had a different priority. And some priorities just conflicted directly with others. And the tools that they were provided were also based on what they collectively, like democratically voted on. Um, so then you had to get favors from people. Then you had to bend the will of others so that your purpose can be the main priority. I wouldn't um, define, you know, that type of premise as a successful future for a utopia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However, if they would have provided more like-minded people, I think that it would have resulted in something that they were looking for. Like the outcome would have worked. But what it almost had been narrated to is that because these 10 people couldn't get along well enough, Not only did it end the show, but it proved the point that there couldn't be a utopia. So it was very interesting. Um, I think I remember that. Yeah, you you probably watched it? No, maybe, but it sounds a bit... It sounds familiar. Yeah, it does sound familiar. (laughs) Now, I guess if you talk about utopia, that gets into the idea of being perfect. So I've somewhat changed my philosophy, which is people like try to say, I want to be like perfect this and perfect that. And if you just do like a small thought experiment and try to think of like a perfect person, I find that to be very difficult. I don't know what that looks like. I can't even imagine it. Yeah. Now we can, we can metaphorically say like, oh, my husband is perfect or my wife is perfect or my kids are perfect. But what do we actually mean by that? It's incredibly difficult. And if you compare my perfect person to your perfect person, they'll be, they'll be completely different. But I think if we take a step down and say like, what is a good person? Like, what does a good person look like? And I bet that we would be able to come in agreement of like, what is a good person as opposed to what is a perfect person? Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties in with the quote that I really like is that perfect is the enemy of good. Because no matter what you'll do, you'll never be perfect. I can agree. Yeah. So no matter what you do, you'll never be perfect. And perfect is just originally from Latin, which means like something is is done. It's over. That And, and it's like most basic sense. So if you like, if you if you finish your food and you're done with it then you would say it's perfect because you're just you're done cooking okay that validates kind of what i wanted to say in that perfect is just a construct that we made up to kind of put ourselves down because there's no such thing there's no (laughs) such done makes sense like if i die perfect (laughs) (laughs) but it's also like in the sense of in the same vein of infinite I don't or unconditional I don't I don't know what that means like that's kind of like with like the spiritual term like they're so vague that I have a hard time grasping them and I try to like downstep 
and go to like something that's more that's le- that's less appealing but mm-hmm. easier to grasp so instead of like oh he's a good person is maybe not as preferable as like oh he's a perfect person or like he's a he's a good husband or he's a perfect husband so stuff like that so yeah that's yeah nice. i i think that anybody who could loosely use that term um is hiding something even greater than what they're yeah, they're trying to hide something that's greater being experienced. Because <laughs> anybody who could claim perfection, um, it, it's just so unrealistic. There's, I, I think that personally, my level of attention and details, it, it gets me lost so much. Uh, uh-huh. And I can blame it on ADHD or I could just blame it on the way my mind works, whatever you want. <laughs> um, but it was something I was always looking for as a result of what I was making. Mm-hmm. And I just never felt like <laughs> it was good enough. And I think lately I've come to terms with the fact that, oh, that mindset was just completely wrong. You you were definitely sold something that's just not inherently correct like no one looks at a piece of art and says ah perfect because there's just no such thing not in any piece of artwork that has ever existed (laughs) maybe the results can can leave you with some type of level of contentment Mm. that there's no way to improve upon what's been produced but that isn't inherently perfection (laughs) um so anyway yeah i guess the i guess the problem with that is that it's incredibly subjective like that's there's no way to define it plus i think you're also doing like a disservice to a lot of people because Mm -hmm. and and the same thing to like body shaming is like oh he's such a perfect person which means the other people aren't you know right they're they're somehow flawed whereas it's easier to say like he's a bad person and he or she's a good person those are those are really easy to define now maybe you and i don't really agree on like like all the bad points but i would say most of the bad points are, are kind of there like don't be a yeah. liar don't steal um, don't, don't hurt other people um, and maybe uh like my good points are like be honest and your good point is like you should, like be a, be a good witch and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i like like i said it, it doesn't matter it, inherently what you believe um whether it's the lack of belief or whether it's like full jumping into it um Mm -hmm. it it just breaks down to what your intentions are if your intentions is to look at yourself and self-reflect and it's meant to be a positive experience Mm -hmm. and not to um personify any type of hate against yourself or other groups of people then by all means you do you (laughs) and i think you could agree with that too (laughs) yeah i'm not really interested in what people believe in the sense of i want to judge them i'm more interested in what people do um unfortunately as we mentioned before your beliefs inform your actions so your beliefs don't like live in a vacuum um that aside as long as they're actively doing good or like there's a quote i like from uh what is his name Hippocrates, I think is how you pronounce it. And he said, because you have to do like the Hippocratic Oath when you like become a doctor. I don't know if you still have to do it, but it's like, there are a couple of of lists and basically the core tenet of the Hippocratic Oath is um, to do the best you can to help your patient, basically. Like your job as a doctor is to help your patient. Uh, Obviously, you know, it's it's not your job to like kill them. But he was also quoted as saying, if you can't make the situation better, then at least don't make it worse. 
And that's how I, I view a lot of people. Like if you can't improve the situation, just don't make it worse. So right. if you can do good, do good. If not, okay, just don't make my job harder than it already is. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's pretty yeah. much it. That's, that's how I, that's the secret to life guys. <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, I mean, I'm flawed too, just like everyone else. Um, maybe less so, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're top tier, Chris, you're top tier. <laughs> I am. I mean, it definitely starts with the fact that you're a man. So advantages oh. right there. <laughs> no. Does it? I don't know. Maybe it does. <laughs> but that would assume that, like, I've experienced a lot of good things because of the way I am, uh, because of like my gender, and I would deny that. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, you have other factors going on for you that actually just lets you slide away from you know the typical um, male patriarchy. So you know. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I don't know if I like the word patriarchy. It, to me, it sounds so, so like so negative. Um, and so one-dimensional. One direction. There we go. One dimension. Well, systematically, it was put in place by men. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. <laughs> Whether or not you feel connected to um, the way that histories of you all other you know what i mean i like, I, I get the, i understand that yeah i mean sure granted a lot of men have power um the question is like why and to what extent is that a bad thing because there are some people who wanted to go in like the completely opposite direction like there have been like some of these like i don't know like half-hearted like quotes or like thoughts like if women ran the world and like there would be like no war which obviously isn't true like well i don't think it would be It'd be interesting to see how irrational it would be. Like, if we were running simulations, you know what I mean? It'd be interesting to see what would cause war and why. Um, Would it necessarily be be like, so in my opinion, right, where we're at in the world, um, where there's essentially this nuclear standoff you would think that that would present itself and say, oh, okay, we've all achieved enough power in terms of arms that we wouldn't necessarily need to do war as we have throughout history. Um, It's almost like, wouldn't it make more sense, yes, to be careful, but to lead with a level of, is it necessary to throw around our strength? No, because it's already inherently there. We've already proved the points. We already have done the damage. And moving yeah. forward, it just makes sense to me that we should all work inward to better our own civilization, like our own countries. Like that, mm. like your struggle right now with getting vaccines in general has a lot to do with helping other countries. Um, and while I don't necessarily think it should come from a level of selfishness or greed, you still would think that looking inward, you'd want to help out your own country and make sure that things are good in terms of, you know, civil, what have you, words, just add in all the fancy words. Yeah. <laughs> so, so like some cooperation. So being like, being a narcissist or being, um, like self-centered 
is actually like the worst thing you can do because you can be the most self-centered person and you can do that by helping other people. And the fact of the matter is, is if I help you to get where you want to go, that also helps me. So it's kind of, it's kind of like a business deal in that sense. So like one hand, like kind of, you know, washes the other, like one, like you scratch my back, I scratch your back. Yeah. So in that sense, if I make sure you're doing good, that helps me too. You know, like if you get to like the example of why should I pay taxes, you know, like we can argue all day long about like maybe taxes are too high, maybe they're too low, maybe something shouldn't be taxed, this and that. But at the end of the day, I think taxes are a great idea. It's not like the best system we have, like we could replace it with a better one. But I view them in the sense of that's kind of the fee you pay to be a part of the society because you get a lot of benefits. And if I like, for example, like, why should I pay taxes for someone else's kid to go to school? Like, it's not my kid. I don't care. Like, why should I pay for his education? Because one day he might be flying a plane. He might be, or she might be like driving a bus, or that might be a doctor, or it could just be some person working at like, you know, at the local gas station and you want them to be able to do like an adequate job. And that kind of creates like a whole society that benefits you directly because now you have access to all these things. You have access to like roads, buses, like planes, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So and that's kind of the way I view it. But uh, do you, you know Rick and Morty, right? You heard of that? You yeah. No. Oh, I thought you watched it. But there's this one episode <laughs> where they go to a planet and all the people are like, all the creatures are women. And they've gotten like all rid of all men because all the men are like incredibly evil. And I think like they turn like really like like evil monsters. So like you only have women, I believe, in this one planet. And like they put people to death. And so I think Summer is the main character and she's gonna be put to death. Or no, th- there's another character, sorry, that, that's gonna be put to death. And they ask like, what is her crime? Like, why does she deserve to be put to death? And apparently like she had like two, her bangs were too long. And that's <laughs> <laughs> that, like considered a crime in the society to have bangs that are very long. No, that's ridiculous. But it's true. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know to what extent that gender plays in like, like war. Well, uh, I, I'm just going to, sorry. Did you want to drive home? No, I'm point? done. No, oh, okay. I'm done, 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 done. Okay, so a couple of notable things. When I think of what I'm talking about, I'm specifically referring to the U.S., I wouldn't say that I have a very strong worldview in terms of individual country uh, histories, um, other than what we were taught in world history in one semester in high school. Like... <laughs> Um, but, and then occasionally like a news article that comes out now. So my, when I say looking inwards, I mean, when you magnify what's going on in the U S right now, there's a level of civil unrest due to the feeling of inequality, um, Mm -hmm. systemic issues with cops and, uh, white supremacy and, um, the perception that it's clear how many white people truly think that, Uh, other people are lesser than Um, Mm -hmm. and then the fact that the system's in that favor Uh, and then when you look at what Biden's doing right now he is actively involving our armed what it was that it was target seeking missiles being sold off to Israel um, to Uh, for Palestine yes and so it's just like but 
other than money (laughs) why are we doing that you know what I mean like I understand that like America's never gonna stand up for the refugees of that area and that they're never gonna do right by that country but like Mm -hmm. why would you facilitate a necessary evil in that situation you know what Mm -hmm. I mean like it it just breeds more hate it's statistical Um, or not statistical strategical because uh they're like israel is like one of the biggest receivers of like american aid like of american money and weapons um i don't say that with any sort of like judgment it's just a matter of fact like they receive a lot of support from the u.s i just think that if it wrecks people's lives regardless of the meaning like if you're gonna get involved it should be to create civil rest um Mm. not amplify civil unrest (laughs) see and that's the problem that's the problem that's one of the biggest problems of western countries and particularly the ones that have capitalism which Mm -hmm. is it it creates a system in my opinion to where we don't have friends we have people who have shared interests yeah not shared values right so to take like a very poignant example if you go to something like saudi arabia or turkey um, or sorry, Turkey would be the German example. So if you go to something like Saudi Arabia, like they receive or up until recently received a lot of weapons from the US or like China, for example, we're more than willing to buy their stuff and we buy it on like a global scale. Yeah. But then you turn around and you criticize them for what's happening in the camps or like the way they surveillance or they survey their citizens. And that just shows like what the discrepancy is, is that money is more important than the values. And in Germany, for example, um, Germany is very quick to uh, criticize Turkey for what for its behavior and what it does and its position. Yeah. But they'll turn around and sell them tanks and fighter jets, and uh, or Germ- the German government is very quick to criticize Russia and their doings. But at the same time, they're willing to have a a, a gas line built between the two countries so that they can import Russian gas. Yeah. And that's capitalism. That's or that's politics. I wouldn't say it's necessarily capitalism. Yeah. And uh, which is why I never put too much hope into any one politician. Even like with like. I mean, know, I never put. I only voted for Biden out of <gasps> out of the necessity of getting Trump out because things were just getting out of hand, and it was. Um, I mean, do you know about the handmade Handmaid's Tale? At yeah. all. The it sounds so, like a it's not like a cookbook. No, <laughs> um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't even watched it yet because I know it's very intense. Get out of here! It's more intense than Game of Thrones, from what I've understood. Um, from Never the way that it. my friends have described it, but essentially, it's just taking away women's rights, and um, the government is controlling who is being chosen to reproduce. Uh-huh. Um. And then everybody, every other woman is, I mean, placed elsewhere and aren't allowed to, yeah, anyway, it's perverse. <sighs> um, but it's mm-hmm. just the point that, like, Trump's views on things was such an extreme that it felt like, you know, our rights could potentially be taken away. Like, he's working on that. And even after the fact, we still have whole ass states. <laughs> where where they're discussing whether or not abortion should be allowed which i think the fact that a female's body is being mandated by the government is just absolutely obscene and 
I should be able to do whatever I want with my body. It doesn't matter the repercussions. And- you, you have to be careful with your language in the sense that, like, I know what you mean. I, I don't want to cut you off prematurely. No, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> which I know what people mean when they use like this hyperbolic language. Um, but I think when we get to issues like that to a certain level, um, like at a like at a like a legal level, I think we have to be very precise about our language. And I don't think anyone should be allowed to do anything that they want with their body. Like there are obvious restrictions for like the biggest one being like you can't sell your organs. Like that's that's not allowed for like obvious reasons, like or selling your organs in most countries is illegal. Like there's no market for that. It was just why you the have black to, market. Well, that's true. That's well, black market. That's kind of racist. But <laughs> but but there's no market. There's no legal market or avenue for securing organs. So and the and it's obvious because if you made a market for that, people will definitely be exploited. And I don't think anyone wants to be exploited for their organs. Like I think we can just agree. People want to keep their organs. Like I I, I think that's well, as like long a, as I'm alive. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I'm dead, you can do uh, for our care. You can eat them. But <laughs> I mean, I'm like, yeah, I volunteered to donate so, mine. So, I mean, but that's still my choice. To it's, a still certain, within, it's still within a legal parameter, but yeah. I, well, yeah, that's true. This is um, the same conversation. Like if I am in a lot of pain and suffering and the, the disease that I have is not fixable, or like, let's say my cancer has gone to a, a certain extent where I know that there is no other option and I want out, I should be able to choose to have the plug pulled on me i like mm, <laughs> because yes and yes and no like man plays god all the time in terms of crimes so well, what's what's the inherent different if i make the choice myself i think it's the precedent you set um and the repercussions for others which is why these decisions don't live in a vacuum so if i'm i'm all for people for like what is it's what's the movement called dying with dignity i think is what it's called um i'm all for it but there have been a lot of studies done especially within europe because there are a couple of european countries who already have this ruling and there's a huge question of who gets to decide that and you could just take the easy route and say if someone wants to die and it looks like they're in obvious pain and that would be the easier choice then just believe them and so for like a physical ailment that's a relatively easy choice to make like if someone is like i would say brain dead and they don't want and they have in their will if i am brain dead i no longer want to live then maybe it's kind of clear cut but what do you do with people who suffer from severe mental illness that fluctuates so like uh, some of the examples they mentioned in these studies is people who suffer with depression mm-hmm. where there will be some days where their depression is so heavy that the only thing they want is you know to end their life Mm-hmm. and then there are other days where they're a lot clearer in their thinking the depression isn't as bad they're taking their medications and life becomes much more bearable and suddenly they don't want to end their life anymore and when you get into these these mental areas the whether or not you should end someone's life is a lot more difficult but in cases where it's clear-cut where there isn't any nuance where it's pretty obvious yeah definitely i think you should be able to end your life with dignity um, mm-hmm. but you shouldn't like there's this thing called assisted suicide yeah that's what I'm referring to because usually like I don't think that I personally like even in a state where I'm in what um a state of no return yeah. like that death is eminent anyway the difference is I have to live there with pain and I can't physically do anything for myself I yeah it 
it yeah it drives a lot of people to assist in and the suicide and I think, type deal <laughs> i think it should be proper assistance i don't think you should like ask your friend to like push you up a bridge no <laughs> i mean there's should... a lot of stories about nurses and you know mm-hmm. medical assistance that even happens um yeah. in some cases that reminds me of the book from uh well what's the name of the book it's from dalton trumbo called johnny go get your gun or johnny got mm. his gun have you seen that Mm-mm. it's based it's uh, was the basis of the song metallica by one which i love that song to put it shortly there's this guy called johnny who was it's an anti-war novel from world war one um and basically there's a guy called johnny and he's super patriotic he his father tells him he has to go off and fight for his country he has to go off and defend democracy he has to make the world a better place and he gets like really into it and he's like like yeah i want to do it i want to go and i'm going to fight and he goes off to war and his company gets attacked and he loses his arms he loses his legs and he basically becomes trapped in his own body oh wow and, yeah and he he's completely alive he's 100 percent alive but he has like shut-in syndrome which is basically he can't communicate with the outside world because he can't speak he can't hear he can't talk he has no arms he has no legs and so he's just sitting there and the whole book the whole movie is basically him and his dreams and him trying to escape and basically the whole movie is him trying to get the attention of a certain nurse and he wants this nurse to help him in his life. And so that's the whole premise of the whole book and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say no, but it's the, like those are very difficult questions that have to be handled very delicately, delicately, I would say, but yeah. Yeah, I I guess um, also I just wanted to end the whole conversation about female bodies in that ultimately um, the person producing the the life of a child is inherently a man. So it's interesting that it's a conversation about women just because we're the ones that carry the child and produce the child, but it starts with men. And so it's interesting that male birth control hasn't been conceptualized and and produced and you know mass marketed um it's interesting that you know the protection that they do have um isn't foolproof it's all very interesting that at the end of the day the government likes to talk about women because while we're trying to fight for full equality we're still second class to the men having the conversation um and then my other thing just to wrap up was (laughs) taxes are good however even in the u.s the people making millions and billions often don't pay a dime into those taxes so the richest people aren't making the efforts that they need to to better our society and there is a bill that's coming up and the people who are fighting for that bill or fighting against that bill are middle upper class (laughs) and this bill doesn't actually affect them so it's definitely something else i'm very impassioned about (laughs) it needs to pass (laughs) because we need we do need to be benefiting better school systems do need the funding you know what i mean like we we deserve we deserve better so I think people should just do their rant. due diligence. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like with the, with abortion, that's definitely a very, it's a very complicated issue, and it becomes even more complicated when people try to make it simple. Um, 
I'd say it's not that complicated. I definitely think it is complicated. Um, especially by, by eliminating it, you're creating suicide. You're no. creating backdoor abortions. You're be creating a desperate situation for people who need it. And it's the same with um, the knowledge no. that we should be providing our, our children <laughs> about I mean, pr- protection and all I that mean, stuff. I mean, it's, it's complicated in the sense that it's a decision that has a lot of ramifications like for example like going to the grocery store and buying something isn't a very complicated decision like you're just going to the store buying something having a heart surgery is also very complicated because on the one hand if you fix your heart then you're healthy but you could also die during the surgery so it's not something that there's something that's without risks um and so everything you do entails risks some of the risks are higher some of the risks are lower and in the medical area, the risks are very high. They're very serious. Um, not saying that like abortion per se, because, you know, there's a lot of like fake news going around. Like if you do abortion, then it'll increase your chances for this and that. Or if you like get abortion, then you can never have a kid. Like I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that because um, I've talked to plenty of people who've had it and who were for it and, and it's left like a lot of mental scars or sure. they were, they've been like pushed into it, like by their boyfriends and they didn't really want to. Sure. So and it's not like you just have it and then you're like, okay, that's, that's over. It's over and done with like that. If the people I've talked to, it affects them mentally. I mean, it affects everyone differently. I, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. That's what I meant by being complicated. Um, those aren't the situations I'm talking about by eliminating it completely. Uh, well, yeah, um, that's true. You're creating uh, infinite more complications. Um, it creates way more danger, not only to the potential kid that's going to be born, um, but also to the person having the kid. It, it's like, okay, the countries that have banned abortion altogether, um, there's an increase in suicide, sp- particularly for, for kids that are having sex, um, don't have the right information to use protection, mm-hmm. and then they accidentally get pregnant. Um, yeah. Those people are forced to have those kids. And the only way that they could stop it is by doing something that's out of desperation. And it's either taking their own life or potentially trying to have an abortion done illegally, um, which often causes them to bleed out and like could potentially risk their life anyway. But desperate people do desperate things. And when you take away abortion... If even if you have a miscarriage, what you're saying is that you doubt that the person carrying the child to term potentially murdered the child that was within them, even if it was of natural causes, even if they have the documentation from the doctor, they're still required, um, like police officer, FBI, whatever, whoever handles those types of cases are required right after the birth to then interview and interrogate that person until they've determined that the miscarriage was of natural cause. So I don't know if you can imagine carrying a dead baby to term because you're not allowed to abort it when you find out it's dead already. But imagine being in that room, having that child who's already dead, and then being interrogated as if you're a murderer. Because that's what they're okay with doing. That's what Georgia's already doing. Like, it already passed. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Sorry. I, no, I it's fine. It. <laughs> no, we can end on, an, on, on just one last note, which yeah. is... I'm sorry, I brought it down again. <laughs> no, 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 no. What I'm basically saying is 
like it's like like that in itself it's still a complicated issue because if you if you say i'm against it or i'm for it by by assuming one of those positions you make it complicated in that direction that's all i'm saying so um there are some decisions that don't really have like a lot of ramifications like i said like it's simple in that it doesn't need to be a government-based decision Mm, more more or less it's a health and wellness issue it's just like a drug addict should they be jailed for having an addiction and it spiraling out of control for them for their own mental distress (laughs) or should should they go to rehab well should addicts be in prison no i don't think they should be in prison right now if they've done something while they were on drugs um to a certain extent i think maybe they should be punished to the extent that you can punish a mentally ill person. You know, if someone is not um, like mentally sane and they commit a crime, they're not generally punished. So to a certain extent, like they can be sent to like an institution, they can be rehabilitated. And and to that extent, yes, you should punish addicts, but in a sense to help them, not in a sense, like you'll get like life, but like one last point, uh, like I think the whole abortion thing, what really bothers me is I don't like the wording is I uh, to me it feels more like pro pro choice and pro 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 like pro birth and not pro life because it feels like they're more interested in the child being born as opposed to yes the, the child having a good life. If their whole argument was we're going to help women and like we'll see you through this and when the child is born we'll make sure you get like a good daycare and like uh, I, I don't know like all like all the if stuff gonna, around- if the government's going to get involved take care of the woman producing the child like i could I, if of, that yeah. was their whole argument i could i could see their the situation be more complicated but to me it's just more like they're more interested in the child being born yes as opposed to what happens after it and if they're not doing anything to help the mother or the, the parents or the family then i don't see their position as being any like really being valid you know it's not that they're not for something they're against something and that's yeah. that that's my whole position it's easy to be against something than to be for something yeah. but that's it we're gonna wrap up uh the, the <laughs> oh, credit, how the we credit, could keep going <laughs> the credits are the credits are rolling they're gonna close in a minute so yeah. uh yeah thanks for joining um yeah thank you for sitting and listening to us i'm sure you got hyped with us <laughs> Yep. hopefully uh if you're one of our friends you definitely understand what we're saying um from both of our perspectives and mm. um i hope that you continue to like us and uh ooh, what was i gonna say um oh yeah by now by the time you listen to this i'll have moved into my new apartment so i look forward right. to our next episode and um all right i'll see you guys right. later see you then bye bye